society! Yeah, what's happening, Earthlings? Uh, we're doing an episode today. It's a podcast. Talking movies, talking them. Pat, what's up? We're just having a kind of casual F this episode, eh? Yeah. Yeah? I don't I don't know about you, but the, the weather, I got seasonal sad or whatever, so SS, I'm not feeling... Listen. Yeah. Listen, the sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar, okay? Mm-hmm. So just hang in there, buddy. We're all going to make it. Um, I want to dedicate this episode. We lost uh, somebody Mm -hmm. or some bird. Yeah. It was very dear to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to miss him. And I just wanted to shout him out. And I want him to be immortalized in this episode because... Hot damn, I love that bird. Jalapeno, big peen, we miss you. Big jalapeno, shout out to you. This episode's for you, buddy. I hope you're eating uh, millet with St. Peter. Yeah, yeah. Is that millet? Is yeah. that the seeds? Yeah, spray millet. I hope he's got like, I hope he gets like crackers, Ritz. I saw Pancakes. Ritz, I saw Ritz crackers in the movie. I don't know if you saw. Hmm. In, in Gramps' place. Yes. So we know for sure that Ritz is at least 70 years old. <laughs> So just so you guys know. Uh, and that's it. Just some quick moment of silence. Yes. All right. There you go. Seen any good movies lately? Uh, I saw a couple movies this week. Um, saw, what did I see? Saw Don John. This is the movie that came out like 2013. It's like a romantic comedy. Is it the one with the Scarlet? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Basically, the plot is like this guy, he's very meticulous, he has his routine, and he also has a crippling porn addiction. Um, and, you know, as one does. Yep. And the movie is kind of just like expectations in a relationship, um, how the media influences men and women's views on each other. The big thing is like men are influenced by the pornography they watch, women influenced by they say like fantasy film or like romance films Mm -hmm. that create unrealistic depictions of relationships it's solid he wrote and directed it too yeah joseph gordon levitt yeah direction is kind of dry um but it's a good script and there's no music there's like barely any music Mm. which probably contributes to why feels a little dry they'll just have a scene of him making his bed and nothing, no music. Except they licensed Good Vibrations by Marky Mark. So that was a banger. And it hit different when they played that once in the movie and then in the end credits. <laughs> so solid. I would uh, I would say it's a good watch. It's a good watch. It'll make you think. Okay? Mm. And it's, it's sort of like an anti-romantic comedy, which seems to be his thing, given that he was also in 500 Days of Summer, which was a great film. And also about um, relationships and what people expect and the harsh reality. Mm-hmm. So I saw that. Yeah, you know, pretty good. I saw Abba the movie not that long ago. <laughs> that was it. I was pretty good. Basically, it's like um, it's like one of those movies where it's like half the movie is like concert footage. Yeah. And they play the big songs. Yeah. 
And then they have like a little story baked into it. Oh, I thought it was going to be like concert footage and then interviews. It's like this the story is like it follows this guy. So the, it just follows their tour in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then the story is just there's this reporter and the whole movie he's trying to get an interview with them. Mm. And he can't. He keeps fumbling. He sleeps in. He loses his press pass. The bouncers just kick his ass <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, it's it's sort of funny. Um, the songs are good. They're pretty good live. They're pretty close to the studio versions. Mm. Uh, it's a solid watch if you're an ABBA fan. And then uh, at the end of the movie, they tacked on like a bunch of music videos. Just oh. music videos of songs we had already heard. But it was okay. And they played those really, really loud. Yeah? Yeah, like twice as loud as the movie was, <laughs> which was weird. Like that was during the end credits? Or? No, it's like the, the end credits play, movie closes, black screen, and I'm like, okay, let's go. No. Three music videos. Watch the Chikatita music video. Chikatita. And they play the Waterloo music video. And they play the music video for Vules Vu. Was it new? Were the music videos new? Because maybe that was just... Was that Cineplex? Yeah. Maybe Cineplex just downloaded some ABBA music <laughs> just, videos. Just to pad the runtime of like, <laughs> yeah. Make it worth the price of admission. Yeah, I think it's like a 90-minute film or something. Like, it's just one of those kind of short concert films. It's solid. Yeah. I feel like ABBA, you should give it a watch. It's just a fun little picture. Is this, like, a big release, or is it out of theater already? It was just, like, a one-time thing. So, I, apparently, it's, like, the 50th anniversary of ABBA. Oh. Uh, I think the movie came out, like, in the late 70s, but, yeah, then this is their celebration. I didn't know this movie existed until I saw the poster for it, the digital poster at Cineplex. Hmm. So, yeah. Press pause. That's all the good movies I saw this week. Yeah. Actually, those are the only movies I saw this week. Oh, I've seen nothing. Nothing? Caitlin's gone. I've been so bored. <laughs> no, that's when. That's exactly the time when you watch a bunch of movies. <laughs> I got nothing, man. I got nothing. And watch like any. What about any TV? We watched Twin Peaks. We did watch Twin Peaks. What do you think? Of season three? Yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah, but I'm I I'm gonna re- hold. Well, there's still like six episodes yeah. left. Yeah, I'm gonna reserve judgment till the end, so I can really you know get the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Because you know, a a TV show is only as good as its ending, right? <laughs> yes. Is that is isn't that right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Other than that, I've just been watching just grinding Seinfeld. <laughs> is it a grind to watch Seinfeld? No, but it, it's reminding me of like my anime days when I would just binge, just binge. So I've just been binging the Seinfeld. I've seen, I think, all of the memes now. I've been looking for the meme, or maybe there's one meme I'm missing. But the other day, I saw the meme. <laughs> I saw the episode where Kramer's room is all red. And Jerry goes up to him and he's like, what's going on in there? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was weird is that that scene has like nothing to do with the meme. Because then Kramer's just like, oh, they have this giant neon uh, sign outside of my house and it's bothering me. And then they have this conversation. But then the meme is like, what's going on in there? And then it shows something crazy happening in the room where that's not what the scene was at all. So it's kind of weird how that transformed. 
Yeah, like I saw the one where it's like the black log. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or it's like Jerry dating a, an underage girl in the 90s, which he did. Oh. You, you know that? Yeah, um, you know. Just a quick shout out. <laughs> <laughs> to him Damn it, Jerry. <laughs> uh, uh, is there anything that you want people to know about Seinfeld that they might have not already considered? I mean, there's a lot of boomer humor um like the you know george's parents i don't it's um ben stiller's dad is it jerry stiller i think it's jerry stiller yeah jerry stiller and i think that it's the lady who also voices the uh, mrs potato head i think they both voice a potato heads in toy story yeah yeah she ha- she I can't do her voice, but <laughs> that was they- good. That was good. <laughs> we get the picture. They are just nattering all the time, and they've become sort of main characters. Like the over, you would see them maybe like once per season, something like that. But now they're showing up all the time, and even in, I mean, the seasons are getting blurred. I think last season or this season, um, they even had like their own arc. Um, but they just natter a lot, and that's supposed to be funny. But that isn't—that's not funny to our generation. I think that's it's a, just kind a, of annoying. I watch—I've been watching like casually um, with Gabrielle a couple episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's the same thing. It's like the parents are like old and crotchety, and they, and they nag each other. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just co- so annoying. It's but it's relatable, bro. Yes. Okay. It's it, it's relatable. Yeah. Um, the laugh tracks, there's quite a few of those. Um, but you know what? The structure, like the scramped, uh, is actually, they're quite good. Yeah. They, they set up like a bunch of intricate things that have nothing to do with one another. And then somehow they all come together to make this comedic, tragic ending. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, Costanza is still the loser at the end of the episode. And he, here's... He, uh, it's interesting to see, like, these four archetypes play off of each other. Because you have, like, George, who's, like, the schmuck. You have Elaine, who's also kind of a poorly aged character. Because she's kind of a Karen. She's a Karen. Yeah. And C- Caitlin calls her unhinged. Because <laughs> there are parts where she's just, like, freaking out. Or she'll dump her boyfriend because he didn't put an exclamation point or an exclamation mark in a note that he left her about her friend having a baby. Like, that kind of warrants an exclamation mark. What kind of person doesn't leave an exclamation mark? I'm breaking up with him. And then you have... Um, you have Kramer, who's the base neat. And then Jerry... Yeah. Jerry's your everyman. He's your everyman. And the thing about him, which is a bit annoying, maybe it's an ego thing. There's no, like, joke about him. There's a joke about um, Elaine being, like, I don't even... There's, like, jokes about her being slutty, I guess, or how... um, um, Or that she's crazy, how George is a loser. Um... Kramer's stupid, but with him, there's no running joke. I mean, they kind of have this thing about how he's, like, childish, but that's not at the same level that they're dishing out to the other cast members, you know? It perks when you co-write the script, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, and his character really is just kind of, I guess he's just the surrogate character. You don't want to get made fun of when you're trying to watch this friend simulator, man. Yeah. And Jerry, he's a handsome, funny, um intelligent he's got great hair yes 
you know what? They wouldn't even make fun of the hair because that was probably like, you know, yeah. in style yeah. at the time. But now it would. And that, and another thing is that they have a bunch of like other comedians in the show because he's a comedian yeah. in the show, and the other comedians are always so annoying, and like Jerry's so annoyed with them because like they suck, but he's like this great comedian, you know. So it's another ego thing like that. It's meta, bro, because Jerry is <laughs> he's so self aware. B movie, look, it's either you think Jerry Seinfeld is Jerry Seinfeld or you think he's kind of above it all. <laughs> And that's, I guess, how you cope with the B-movie and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. My favorite arc so far, I don't... Maybe I've talked about on the show, is they were making a show within the show. He was making the show called Jerry. Uh Oh, is he a little meta humor? Yeah, that was... That's the highlight of the show for me. And then at the end, like, the pilot gets canceled because like this sucks (laughs) Um, but they're making the show and George is helping write the show and he's like we'll make a show about nothing and Jerry's like why a show about nothing he's like yeah every show has like a gimmick we're gonna have a show about nothing like remember that time where we went to and then he'll like mention episodes he's like nothing happened there right like what was the point of that but it could still be like entertaining so that that's good it it does have some it's still a good watch I'd say to to answer your question, I've heard that that's that's like the famous line about the show, right? It's a show about nothing. Is it? Yeah, I th- I think so. It's no. just it's just like I mean, like you you tell other people about other sitcoms. It's like it's all this family, or like even, and there's a blind kid. Yeah, and then there's a dog that talks or something, <laughs> and then Seinfeld is just four people, which is also like Friends, but then it's got that spin where it's like wow. They're young metropolitan <laughs> and all conventionally attractive. Yeah. And Seinfeld, they're just like really just people. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, so. It's the everyman sitcom. Yeah. It's comfy. Comfy? Yeah. How many bags for uh, Seinfeld? Like like seven. Seven bags. Because I, fi- I found that sometimes there's like repeat premises. And like, about, every episode's about nothing. Right? <laughs> well, like the conflict like i've seen this conflict before um and sometimes it can get a bit repetitive where like they'll introduce a new girlfriend or boyfriend and i'm gonna like what's wrong with them why are they gonna break up like i wish that there were a few less video or videos episodes revolving around the girlfriend or the boyfriend Uh, gets a bit much look that's what the every man thinks about okay (laughs) relationships dating in the modern age okay but and you know what another thing that's good about the show is like they were doing meme bait before it was a thing yeah like you think they knew that George holding the baseball bat was gonna be immortalized not that but like they they make up little sayings that I think that they wanted like people to use in real life like uh, Festivus yeah Festivus um like someone sneezes instead of saying like bless you say you're so good looking (laughs) um just stuff like that I think they were trying to like meme bait yeah yeah well you gotta have fun catchphrases if you're not gonna have actual premises yeah that's what I really look for in my entertainment anyway. What are we talking about this week? All right, it's part uh, three mm-hmm. of Sci-Fi Month, mm-hmm. which is May, mm-hmm. which is this month. Mm-hmm. And so we're reviewing another sci-fi film. Facts. For this month of sci-fi. Yes. Um, the movie's called Them with the exclamation part mark, which is appropriate given that this is a 
exciting film. Yeah. This is a scary film. Yep. Came out in 1954. It's a creature feature. Okay. You got a couple of police guys and a couple of scientists. And guess what? Listen, the hubris of man. <laughs> this is a movie about this. Not the Vietnam War, but post-World War II. It's the yeah. world we have to live in. Yeah. After we've uh, taken a thunder from the gods and we've st- strike the earth with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get giant ants. Giant ants. So they got to fight giant ants in, I think they're in New Mexico. Yes. And then later on, they're in Los Angeles. It's pretty straightforward. It's in black and white, except for <laughs> the riveting title sequence when it goes them and it's in color. And it's, whoa. whoa. I read that that was because originally they wanted to do the movie in color mm-hmm. and also in 3D. Oh. And then they were like, actually, we don't have the money. <laughs> so take out the color and take out the 3D. Believe that title card. Be- believe the title card because they were like, wow, it's like punchy, you know? Yeah. It's like supposedly whenever they shoot the flamethrowers, the flamethrowers supposed to fire and go. Whoa. It would have been shitty anyway because 50s 3D <laughs> was, you know, something else. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, that's the plot of the movie. It's straightforward. What do you think of the picture? Be honest. Mm. I, I'll, I'll preface this by saying I picked this movie because <laughs> I like the title. <laughs> and also because it seemed like the quintessential, like, classic sci-fi monster movie. Well, in Twin Peaks fashion, I, I, it made me so sleepy at, <laughs> at times. But I did uh, I did like it. There was a, there was a lot of it that I, I did like. And I... I thought it was pretty exciting for like a 50s creature feature yeah um like the ants are actually pretty good and they have a lot of them which i was surprised like i was thinking that there's going to be like like it was going to be the blob where we're going to see the ants every 50 minutes um but or attack of the 50 foot woman yes. where at the end of the film yeah but they're prevalent throughout and they have quite a few even like for the finale yeah. um there's like pyrotechnics they have good like um yeah, explosive effects. Um, I liked it. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. One thing that I didn't like about this, which I know it can't be helped, it's just like a personal thing. Um, it happened in the thing too, where you ca- you know the premise of the movie going in, so the intro scene isn't as um, impactful as it should be, where they're trying to figure out like what's going on because yeah. we, the viewer, are like it's ants. Like, we, like we I saw know. the poster on the way into the theater, yeah. man. Like, same with the thing where you see the dog acting sus and you're like, well, it's going to be the alien. Um, that's just, that's just, um, that's not a, uh, a slight at the movie or anything, but. That, that's just like a, de- a deficit with having to, like, promote yes. films. You yeah. Because nobody's going to go to see a movie they don't know anything about, or at least most people don't. Yeah. But so, if you look at it in a vacuum, the, the opening is, is good. Especially because in the film. And I guess it's supposed to be like an audience surrogate. So you follow Ben Peterson, who's like uh, this police sergeant. Then they get this FBI, or uh, yeah, they get this FBI, FBI agent yeah. named Robert Graham. I want to say it was Rob. And they're like, and then they call in uh, Doctor Medford, who's this kind of funny, doddering old man. He brings a little bit of humor to the film because mm-hmm. while he's competent, he does classic old man things yeah. where he just kind of lost and spacey and he doesn't put his goggles on right 
and they gotta say hey dog what's going on <laughs> so they string them along for yeah like the first act of the film they bring them in and i guess if you're in the know when they introduce them as myrmecologists you would know that ants are coming yeah. or if you knew what formic acid was so if you if you're a big insect person if you're a formic head you know what's up <laughs> big ant head uh then this is gonna be for you um then they have his daughter who is um naturally uh the lead actress with who is conventionally attractive I love her introduction scene. I love any time they introduce a woman in the 50s movies, always the same. Like she's coming down the steps of the plane, her dress gets stuck, and all the guys are like, oh, oh, God, their jaw drop on the floor. Yeah. And then what she's like, he's like, Haha, if she's a doctor, then I got a mighty fever right now. Hot dog, let's go. Hey. <laughs> okay, I'll say this, okay? The characters. They're whatever. Yeah. Like, they're solidly written. Um, they all have their motivation, which is really just getting the job done. They don't have too much dimension, but they feel plausible as people. But they're not standouts. You know, I'll say, like, they're even less... I mean, it's kind of the thing where in this movie, the stars dance. Yes. And Leonard Nimoy in his very minor cameo. <laughs> yes. That you will see. Uh, he'll see him for 30 seconds. Okay. Those are two stars. But like if you if and I'm, this movie made me think of the Blob a lot because that's just another '50s creature feature we reviewed. Mm-hmm. That one like the star is the Blob and also Steve McQueen. Yeah, this one doesn't really have a stand-up performance in that way. But the character interactions are good. They have a little bit of dry humor in the film. Um, they get the humor. There's actually it's it's very it's taken very seriously. Yeah, which I liked. Yes, because, like, when you're watching the, like, and I'll compare it to the blob, it's like, when we were watching the blob, it felt like, it was like, it's like, this is... It's not, it doesn't work, they're taking it too seriously. And if and it feels like a, it, I don't know, it feels like a teenage drive-in movie, you yeah. got the teenagers ripping around and going, hey, let's let's go, Johnny, to the, let's go to the, to the hot dog stand, and then, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. This one, they take it seriously, it's all adults, Yeah. okay? And this is serious. Giant ants are no fucking joke. Yeah. Um, there's some humor. Uh, like, I like the drunks that they have later on. Uh, there's this scene. Uh, do you remember the drunks? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the drunks. They're kind of funny. Haha. I always like old portrayal of drunks <laughs> yes. in movies because they are what junk... I think... I don't know if it's supposed to be like, these are junkies, but we can't say that. <laughs> but they act a little too loopy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I, like most people, most drunk just get dr- drink and r- get really sad and then puke. But then these guys, they're on their own trip, man. Like they're, they're far out. Um, there's like this scene where they're interviewing this woman and she's like, um, I was visiting a friend, uh, and they're like, uh, so late. And she's like, uh, yes, don't tell anyone he's married. And, and they all just look at each other and they're like, you can go, uh, there's stuff like that, but it's played relatively straight. But it's it's a film that feels dignified, even though it's the giant ants. It feels like a serious picture, mm-hmm. like for grown ups. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah. Uh, so I'll give them kudos for not treating us like children just because there's sci-fi involved in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one actor I knew was uh, James Whitmore. He was familiar. I'm not sure what he was from though. He was in Shawshank Redemption. He's the old man with Jake the Crow who. Uh, Spoilers kills himself when he gets out of prison because the world's been Brooks. A, yeah, Brooks. 
Oh shit! Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's a deep cut. I was like, those eyebrows—they're so familiar. So I had to. It was eyebrows for <laughs> yeah. you. He, I, I, I didn't even know. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. 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 R.I.P. to Brooks. Yep. That's like the saddest part of that movie for me. Yeah. Um, and that's like a movie. That's like a role forty years later, yeah. right? Because it came out like the mid nineties. So. <laughs> Okay, okay. James Whitmore is uh, Brooks from Shawshank. Shout out to him. He's also in Planet of the Apes. I just saw that when I Googled him, but I, I don't know. He's probably one of the apes. Like, yeah, in a mask, so it doesn't fucking... I'm yeah. pretty sure the only humans in that movie are the <laughs> yes. crewmates and then Nova. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's in a mask. Right, whatever. I'm going to say I don't know. I swear to God, I don't know. So if this is right, I promise you. I'm going to say maybe he was that... He was like the main dissenting ape who was like, no, they're animals. Like the leader ape? No, or like the main head scientist or whatever. I don't think he was a leader. Not Dr. Zayas. Maybe. No, because Dr. Zayas was on his side, wasn't yeah, yeah, he? Yeah, 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 no, the, the main dissenting ape... Okay. Was I that see. the leader? I don't. I don't remember. I saw that movie a, a long while yeah. ago, and we. I think we saw it in theaters. I want to say no. We, we saw it at a friend's house, and he spoiled the opening of the movie. Where? Uh, I don't want to. Give me a letter. E. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. You know he spoiled the ending, but I'd seen it before in fucking Madagascar. So like, I'm not gonna fault him for that. It's yeah. kind of a Darth Vader. No, he spoiled at the beginning. You remember he was like, um, "This is the last time we see her alive." And then, <laughs> do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I knew the ending already. Yeah, Madagascar had spoiled that it's, for me. It's, it's it's an iconic ending. Yeah. You know? It, yeah, it's spoilers. It's Rosebud is the sled, guys. Okay, it's a fucking <laughs> toboggan. If you thought it was something cool, it's not. Um, I like. There's some decent sound design in this. The music is whatever, but I like the sonar noise yep. that they emit. There's some good scenes with genuine tension, like when they go visit the convenience store mm-hmm. and they find the owner um, just broken up, head head bashed, neck broken, and the policeman's left alone for a second and they just we just hear that high-pitched scream that is the ants' sonar or yeah. radar or whatever. And then they also have the wind howling ferociously because it's the desert and the ants like the blowholes in people's house yeah. houses. And that was like a good scene of genuine tension and genuinely good sound design mm-hmm. in the film, which, we, as we mentioned, is a very big aspect of horror. I guess this is like a this is more like a sci-fi thriller, but I imagine in the fifties this would be pretty shocking material. The ants are pretty the ants look pretty good too, yeah, man. Yeah. The effects are good. The flamethrowers were stunningly realistic. I mean yeah. they just used real flamethrowers, I guess. Yeah. Um and like when and they actually burn the ants too. That's I was like they're just gonna show them like shooting the flames and that'll be it, yeah. right? But then they actually show them completely burning the burning the ants i don't know how many models they must have constructed from that they do a good job of teasing the ant i think they show the ants just enough Mm -hmm. they tease them it takes a long while to see that first one like towards the end of the first act yeah and then you get them later on but they're not so prevalent that you don't dread them yeah and that's another key of horror don't show too much yeah yeah uh so good effects all around yeah definitely um yeah 
the one thing that I disliked was this ham-fisted atomic bomb narrative. Listen. Like, it's so just shoehorned in there. <laughs> when they listen, first listen. see the ants, and they, he goes, oh, it's probably a remnant of the testings of the first <laughs> atomic bombs. Oh, 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 just like that? <laughs> okay. Look, okay. The bomb was a big deal. Yes. Um, in the 50s. Because, yes. um, holy shit, we can just kill everybody in like a couple of minutes. <laughs> Um, it's a, and yes, it is a little bit ham-fisted at the end of the film when they find the last queen ants and they go, yeah, we got to burn the ants. They burn the ants and then they go, wow, if this is the result of atomic <laughs> testing, what about all the other atomic tests we've done? What kind of horrors could they make? And the Dr. Medford's like, who can say? Hmm. <laughs> They should have put it the question mark the end <laughs> yeah. at the end because nuclear warfare is on the horizon. They mentioned the Cold War and this. Look, it's an Atomic Age movie, okay? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a little quaint now, but those are g- serious anxieties yes. that I guess people had at the time. And yeah. It was just prevalent. It's like, yeah, tomorrow I could just get nuked up. That's a new concept. So I'll give them that. I kind of like that there was a... Well, it's a good thing that we had the nuclear bomb because then we got all these great sci-fi movies out of yeah, it. Yeah, like Godzilla. It kind of reminded me. It was kind of like comic booky in that way. Like there's like some old uh, EC like sci-fi comics that are like that where it's like Earth, uh, like ravaged by atomic war. And What's EC? Those are just old. Those are like old comics. Those are like the pre-code comics before everything got sanitized. But they just did like horror. They did sci-fi. They were transgressive stories. You what know? does it stand for? Uh, I think, I think initially it changed. I think initially it's supposed to be educational comics. <laughs> okay. And then I think when it was going, it was entertaining comics. Okay. And then after they got after the courts were like shut this shit down, I don't know. They did like a few stories and then crapped out. What do you mean pre-code like uh, ratings? That was like then in the fifties. This guy wrote a book and called "Seduction of the Innocent," and he's like, "Yeah, comic books make you into a disgusting fiend." And Wonder Woman's all about bondage, and Batman and Robin are gay. Right. And then the courts were like, "Damn, like we're selling this for five cents to kids," and then. Then it was like, okay, um, the Comics Code Authority happened. Mm. And you had to stamp that on all your books or else nobody was going to buy them. But what did, what was a stamp? It was just like the Comics Code was like, you can't have this, 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 this. Mm. Basically everything cool. Yeah. Which is why you get those dopey comics in the 50s where it's like Batman gets a rainbow suit. Because before that, Batman was killing guys. <laughs> And like having noir stories, and then yes. after that he gets a zebra suit, <laughs> and yeah, so they kind of neutered comics in the mid fifties. That's why American comics are kind of behind in comparison to Japanese, where yeah. manga is big, and even in Europe the comics are bigger there. When did it? When did that switch? That was like in the mid fifties. No, but when did it switch back? Oh, then like in the late eighties, uh, DC was like. Uh, there was like the big publishers like we don't have to fucking do this anymore they were just like oh wait was it by law that they had to no you don't you didn't have to but it was the kind of thing where it's like if 
Oh, it's parents like, wouldn't let you? It's like getting a movie that's N17, you know? Mm. NC17. Yeah. It's like, you can put it out, but, like, who's going to carry it? Yeah. Who's going to sell it? Yeah. Nobody. Mm. Or, like, in video games, which is really where you, and it gets that AO rating. AO? Yeah, like, okay. adults only. I've never seen that. At work, we have to keep copy certain co- first press or first prints of gta san andreas we have to keep that behind the counter because that is technically an ao game because as weird as it sounds you can hack the game and there's a famous mod where you can watch the characters have sex that's just a that's just a fan mod no it's like it's in the game's code oh, really? but you have to hack the game okay, to access yeah, yeah, yeah. it um, so that's an AO game, and even us, we're like, we have to keep it behind the counter. Not by law, but just for decency's sake. Hmm. Kind of living. We live in a society still. Don't forget, okay? Wow. Uh, but yeah, they, they do take it seriously. And that ending shot of them all looking at like these defenseless queens with their flamethrowers out, that, that was powerful imagery enough. Honestly, I didn't need that. Uh, that atomic age <laughs> that, shit that, <laughs> on top of it. it. It was like a really, it really makes you think. That was like your homework after the movie. It's like, go home and think about that for a while. Think about what kind of other giant insects might be roaming around <laughs> underground. It was cool. Like one of the last shot though was like the all the queens burning. Yeah. That, that was really cool. They, they do really well with the pyrotechnics and the effects, the gunfire and stuff like that. It's all pretty convincing and riveting. Yeah. I like, I really like the last portion where it's like the big fight against the ants and they're all shooting them. Things collapse on them. When they get killed, they kind of just go limp because they are still effects, but it looks good. One thing that I look for in black and white movies is the, the lighting because they have that lack of color. So, yeah. um, and there are quite a few shots where it's lit very well. Like there's this one scene in particular, I remember when the doctor is giving some speech and then they have sort of the shot from underneath them with uh like light from the projector up on his face like he's telling a spooky story yeah i like that sort of dramatic lighting when they go into the caves it can get a bit dark so watch this it, in a it, dark it get, room it gets a little so, fuzzy yeah. yeah you gotta crank the laptop brightness uh but i guess you know they didn't really have night vision cameras i guess in the 50s i mean this was a budget production because they canceled color so that's the thing is like it's a budget production but it 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 looks like a big budget movie it looks good yeah it holds up yeah which is wow that's rare well i mean there are there's gonna be quite a few people i think who would watch us and just say giant ants is stupid where's the color but there's that's not the movie for them it's like i mean like are you gonna watch et and say that's just a weird that's like watching star wars and then they're like oh that's yoda is just a He's the puppet. And it's like, yeah, but like, use your imagination, man. It still looks good. <laughs> this was the kind of movie, and I was thinking about this at the end. I was like, this would be, this would be a movie. Okay, it's a. I think it's a solid movie, and I like it. I would probably, I would watch it again. This is the kind of movie that I feel like they could remake. Yeah. Um, and for the reasons that I think, one, they could make it a nice homage to classic sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, you could really have the ants looking real and you could really and then what I was waiting for in this movie was an ant to just snap somebody in half yes the other thing that this movie kind of reminded me of was when they're shooting at the ants it's like it kind of reminded me of Starship Troopers yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, except they're, the ants are not nearly as uh, bloodthirsty as the whatever the hell just the, the bugs the bugs yeah 
and Starship Troopers were like, but they get picked up. Like in Starship Troopers, they get picked up too, but then they just get snapped in half mm-hmm. by their mandibles. I was waiting for that. Um, I think if they, I feel like this would be something that would be cool to be remade. Um, just because like, just to give it that extra, you know, little bit of credibility mm-hmm. in terms of the ants, but it still looks great. I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. Um, that's it for me. The only other thing I can say, I will say is that, and this is kind of just a product of the times I f- I'm finding in these old movies, there's this weird thing where I find that the characters are just, they just say their lines and then they just kind of wait to say their lines. Like it seems they're not fully in the character, if that makes sense. I know what you mean. Instead of like kind of conversing, it kind of feels like tit for tat. And like a play almost. And I and maybe you could chalk it up because they're, everybody in this is very businesslike and mm-hmm. professional and they're trying to get things done with proper conduct. But yeah, I know what you mean. It, there's like a little bit of an unnaturalistic quality. Yes. Yeah. It, it, you notice that in old films, especially like films in the 50s and such, it has like that movie-ish quality. Yes. Yeah. Well, especially when they start talking like in the uh, oceanic accents. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, I liked the, I thought it was a bit better than a delightful little picture. It was a good little picture. I'll, I'll give it seven bags. Seven bags? Yeah. Um, you know what? I'll give it, I'll give it four out of five bags. Okay. I would watch this. It's 90 minutes. Yeah. Tight 90 minutes. Um, this is like the perfect movie to like put on late at night. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not going to stimulate you too much. It's cool. Got all the stuff you want in a movie like Giant Ants, uh, four to five bags. The only other cult movie I can think of with giant animals is, I think it's called Lupin. And that's like, or no, then it must not be because Lupin is wolves, right? It's it's about giant rabbits. Isn't Lupin an anime? God, I don't know. Uh, giant giant rabbits. Rabbit. You mean Donnie Darko? No. Um, Night of the Lupus. That's it. Not Lupin. Lupus. Lep. Lepus. Sorry. And what is uh, is giant rabbits? It's giant rabbits, and you know who stars in it? DeForest Kelly. So oh, McCoy has his uh, giant uh, animal movie, and so does Spock. Impressive. Very nice. Let's see William Shatner's fifties creature feature. He's in Twilight Zone. They talk about uh, the folly of man and the hubris of man there. So. Oh, actually, he's in the episode with the gremlin on the plane, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that counts, actually. Yeah. yeah. I like to think Roddenberry was watching all this junk in the 50s, <laughs> and he was, like, picking actors. And he's like, yes, yes, it's all coming together. Um, Next week, Space Cop. Space Cop, the red-letter media film. H- how do you want to review? Do you want to review this? Like, we're reviewing... Straight. Okay. Straight. Okay. Uh, let's see how it is. You know, like it's 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 a kind of movie where it's like they. It's interesting because it looks like it's trying to do so bad, so good. And usually yes. we just watch movies that are so bad it's good, or just so bad it's bad. Yes. I don't know if we've ever reviewed a picture like that. That would have been like a, or maybe like Samurai Cop Two. Okay, Samurai Cop Two, which was fucking brutal. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, maybe like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, kind yeah. of, sort of. No, it was. Well, it's like doing 
that was like self-aware parody yeah that one well yeah actually yeah because that one wasn't like well like the fucking the tomatoes they look bad like and on purpose yeah but yeah i think that 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 one falls in a slightly different category yeah so i guess we'll see it's the first movie that i've seen where or it will be the first movie that i've seen where it's movie critics making a movie the only other movie i can think of that's like that is beyond the valley of the dolls it was that ebert yeah uh, co-wrote that yeah yeah is that movie good i don't know you should do valley of the dolls and beyond valley of the dolls on cop yeah sure it'll work it's got uh sharon tate i think oh does it i think so hmm. and that's all i know and um it's about uh drugs there's drugs in it is this yeah mm. I think it was like I think in when it came out in the sixties it was like ooh, like provocative. It's kind of like the Fifty Shades of Grey, but really not because it's like all weird and kinky, but because it's kind of like whoa, this is out there material. It was gotcha. a book too. Hmm. Uh, anything else you want to say? No. So okay. Space Cop next week, and then last uh, the last week we'll do Solaris. Yes. Yes. <laughs> If you enjoyed listening to this episode, be it the free post or just plain old-fashioned rags, send us a movie recommendation on our Instagram at C-O-P Podcast, C-O-P Podcast, and we'll review it on the show. Shake, shake, and may the road rise up to meet your wheels. Was that good enough? Is that the take? Not even close. Take 174, rolling three... Two, one.